Hey, Chris Highland. Hi, Matty. We're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna keep this in, but uh, we're just waiting for Gemma Shambler running late. Ah, oh, Gemma Shambler. Hello. I was accusing you of being late, but I have to admit to all our listeners that I sent you the wrong link. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, guys, so um, welcome to Working with Humans. Um, we're in our third season and we're recording uh, research interviews on happiness for the happiness book that I'm currently writing. And I mm-hmm. thought I would get my two favourite people on, um, but they weren't available. So <laughs> I've managed to um, get hold of you guys at the last minute. Uh, but no, on, on a serious <laughs> note, I love these guys um, and we're going to learn so much from them. This episode is about how the Happiness Index went from an idea um, into some technology um, and actually now into a methodology um, that lots of companies around the world buy into. But before we before we kick off, um, let's get to know the guys um, for those that don't know you. Uh, Gemma, um, if you go first, what makes you happy, Gemma? Hello, everyone. Um, so what makes me happy, um, first and foremost, is family. Um, I've got a little boy who's just turned four, so he makes me very happy. Also very frustrated at times, but over, overwhelmingly happy most of the time. Um, and then going on holiday, that's another thing that makes me very, very happy. Nice. Um, and I think you've got year one, first school coming up as well, Gemma, haven't you? Yep, it's um, reception in September for us. So, yeah, big big time. Yeah, definitely. Um, Christopher, what makes you happy other than your amazing business partner, Matt Phelan? <laughs> well, yeah, Matt, you are the shining light of my life, obviously. <laughs> um, but do you know what? It's funny because it changes, doesn't it, especially in the last few months. But I think, I think what makes me happy, um, which is probably why it's been challenging in the last few months, is balance and variety i like to do stuff so you know i love seeing my family I love seeing my friends I like to go on holidays i just like to be busy and do stuff um so lockdown has uh obviously put put hold on that for a little while yeah but i think for me just being busy doing things i love um and yeah that's i guess that's the most important part is if i if i love what i do it the time just flies by which is which is what it's all about yeah, I love I love that, Chris. And um, I want oh, to kick off, Chris. I want you, you to take us back. I, I'm guessing it was seven years ago now because the Happiness Index is about six years old. Yeah. Um, what actually? What actually? The hell happened? How did we end up with this business called the Happiness? Oh, I've just looked. It was May 2014. The company was started. Yeah. So it would have yeah. been two. Take us back to 2013, probably, maybe even further. Um, and let us know how this whole crazy thing started the olden days yeah <laughs> <laughs> black and white tv <laughs> or internet at home um well i mean god I, I mean obviously you know all too well but for other people listening so we started um our agency four piece marketing in 2008 um and we weren't like the typical business owners were we I mean, we kind of we tried to do it our way but um, we had this radical idea um that if you uh, look after your people um, the rest will take care of itself. So obviously, as you know, we developed this mission, which was personal client and agency growth. And we lived and died by it. And, you know, the, the premise was really simple, which was if you look after your people, your people then look after our customers 
And, you know, if your customers are happy, that will lead to agency growth. And that's exactly what we did. Um, and then the happiness index. Well, I mean, obviously, the best thing about the happiness index is it was built in a live environment. You know, we um, it originally happened. Um, so, you know, as we got bigger, what, past 25, 30 customers, my role was customer service director. And it was getting harder for me to see clients regularly. You know, it was I wanted to go and see them all and understand how they were feeling about stuff, but I couldn't do it. So interestingly, I was inspired in one of our meetings um, by a, a lady you, you both may know called Caroline O'Keefe. <laughs> yeah. Who, as you know, or for our listeners, um, was a marketing director of a great company called Thompson Online Benefits and is now our head of marketing. So um, she gave us some really great feedback, good good feedback and constructive feedback. Um, and I just said to her, like, is there any is there any way we can kind of like get more feedback from you? And she talked about how they really used MPS, Net Promoter Score, a lot at that business and, and used it really well. So, you know, I just on the train back, I was thinking around what, what I really want to understand is if is if she, you know, the main person who um, if we're going to keep our, that account, is she happy? So um, I came back and I remember I um, grabbed you and Matt Stannard into a room, our, our CTO at the time. And again, sounds like a, a pattern here, our CTO and head of robots now at the Habits Index. And I just, I remember like thinking, is there something we can build, really, which is really simple, light touch, where you can just ask our customers on a monthly basis, how happy do they feel? Um and then, of course, we, you know, we the ideas start sparking, of course. <laughs> um, and then you guys start talking about actually, you know, we could think about doing this for employees as well. So, you know, we launched something for customers first where it was really, really simple. You know, on a score of one to ten, how happy do you feel with the agency, with our performance? And off the back of that, we just got so much amazing feedback Um you know, a lot of it was good, but a lot of it wasn't so good. And that was the point in some respects. We we looked at the feedback um, and we did something about it. We acted. Um, and then then once we launched the employee side, you know, we were I mean, we were just living and breathing by our employee and our customer feedback, trying to understand, um, you know, what's the biggest impact we can make through changes. You know, if one person says one thing, but then there's seven or eight people saying they feel like we need to bring more training into the business. We know that's a really important factor. Yeah. So, you know, our business over across that year, I think taking us to similar to, to around 2014, was flying. We had our best year ever. And I think actually it was you, Mr. Phelan, who um, you started getting inquiries from customers around, you know, if they could actually use it. Um, and I hadn't even thought of that. I was, such, I was in so much of the detail just trying to keep our customers happy. I think it was your idea that actually this is something that's too good and we've proven it. We've proven it within our own company. Let's let's kind of spin it out um, and create a new business, hence the happiness index. So that's kind of how it was all born. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, that's the that's the philosophy bit. And uh, Matt Stanard would, would hate it if we said the easy bit in creating the tech. Um, <laughs> but we'll wait till his episode for him to explain that. Um, <laughs> But Gemma, and as the listeners have probably picked up, there's a bunch of us that have worked in one company, which we call the first album, and we now call the second company the second album. But, Gem, you were obviously in a people role within 4Ps. Yeah. Uh, but suddenly, you're given a load of data. 
um, which can be daunting for some people. Um, so how were you using that data like practically to actually improve the, the culture at the, within the business? Um, well, just building on from what Chris has already said, really, and and actually, I didn't find it daunting at the time. There was a lot of data and there was a lot of insight that came through from those early surveys. But I actually found it really exciting because you was getting you was getting all of this information that I couldn't have gathered any other way. There was too many people at that stage for me to have one to ones with um, and and I just I just wasn't able would not have been able to gather the information that came through um, in any other way. So I, I loved getting the data back and yeah. because I'm a fixer by nature, by default, being able to um, pick up or highlight any areas that um, weren't doing so well or any issues that people were facing and having the chance to resolve those for people and turn it into a positive story that was something that I really loved. I still love doing it now, of course. Um, but yeah. at the time, that was what was really exciting for me. Um, and then also on the positive side, we was able to um, build on everything that was going well, Any um, anything that people loved about our culture or things that was going on that was, that was particularly successful. Then we knew we had the data there to prove that, that it was working and that we would keep building on those things and improving as we went along. Um, so useful to hear Gemma and Chris just taking us through now um, to the happiness index limited if we call it that um, mm -hmm. I wrote down a question before which I'm going to slightly change because I think you've already answered it which is why did the happiness index become a company so I'm really going to actually reset it and say what does freedom to be human mean which is that for those listeners that are out there it's our vision that 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 everyone at the happiness index is working for Um what does that actually mean um, to you um, and to the company? Like, why, why do we strive towards that? Well, I think I think the interesting thing for us, Matt, is obviously when we started the first business, a, a lot, there was, you know, there was thousands, if not millions of successful businesses out there that had been very successful and done very well without putting their people first. Um, but, you know, we kind of wanted to change that a little bit and we just kind of, we didn't have the experience um, of, you know, the grey hair, so to speak, of knowing how businesses ran. So we thought a bit differently. And I think the biggest challenge that we had, but we were also fortunate because we were young, we were probably more in tune with what younger people wanted, like the millennials and Generation Z. You know, these people in particular are, they're very, they almost demand to give feedback. You know, the thought of, um, you know, an autocratic company where you're not being asked how you feel or your opinion on something was almost unthinkable to them. So, you know, it all, it all led to, which we see now, like, you know, through our own customers and hopefully ourselves. you know, if you want a business to really thrive and to really succeed, we believe that if you follow our vision of freedom to be human, you can achieve that. And, and for those that don't know, what freedom to be human means to us is that if you treat your employees like humans if you give them a voice and you allow them to be true to themselves which i think is probably even more prominent yeah in the last six months with the likes of george floyd and black Lives matters that's how your company can thrive so 
we believe really passionate about leading. I know that, you know, all of us on the call now is is what gets us out of bed in the morning. So yeah, that's that's a bit about what freedom to be human is and how it drives us at the happiness index. No, it's really useful, Chris. And um, Gem, that leads me into asking you something about that me and you talk, have talked about a lot recently. Uh, but I, I think I reflected on another podcast. The more I learn about happiness, the less I feel I know about it. Um, and we talk a lot about how our own understanding of our own data with our own employees has evolved. Um, so the question to you, Gemma, is um, how has your understanding of happiness evolved? Um, so I think it's it's evolved. Actually, our use of Quokka voice has helped my understanding evolve. Can you explain what a quokka is to everyone, by the way, John? Oh, sorry. So, yes, for those of you that don't know, we call ourselves, at the Happiness Index, we call ourselves quokkas um, because um, I'm not sure who's responsible for actually naming us quokkas, but um, it was as a result of a Google search for the happiest animal um, and out up popped a quokka from, um, um, is it is it Rottnest Island? Yeah, just um, off Perth in Australia. Australia the coast of australia so um yeah if you google those animals you'll see they're very happy and smiley looking and so that's where we get our name from um and quokka voice to explain is um it's one of our products that we use internally all the time and we have done for uh, <laughs> two years now maybe a bit longer um and it's a um an open platform where our people can give feedback at any time and they can at any on any topic, um, any emotion, whatever they want to say, it's there open to them whenever they like. And so I review that weekly and share the themes and the um, commentary with the team um, during our weekly meetings. Um, and by going through that process and and obviously all of the experiences I've had to date with with dealing with this kind of data, the way my opinion of happiness has evolved is that it all, I always used to think that we had to be, you know, at least eight out of 10. Otherwise, people wasn't happy, then they wouldn't be doing their best work. And um, everything we was striving towards would all be lost because people aren't happy. And what I've come to realise is that that isn't a, a permanent state. You can't permanently be happy. You're a human being. You have um, multiple different emotions and multiple different layers, and it's okay not to be happy all of the time. Um, so we've actually taken away our target of, um, of, a, of a number of how happy people are, and instead we're just making sure that we're always listening and that we're taking that data and that feedback um, to, our, to our meetings with the senior leadership team, um, to with the board, so that we can make sure that that you know the 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 data is helping us inform our decisions really, and the insight that 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 we're getting from that feedback is driving our decision making, so that it's all done with a human led approach. Yeah, thanks, Gemma and Chris. To follow the theme, Gemma's looking at our how our employees are feeling. Um, you're looking at how our customers are feeling. Could you could you just talk us about how customer happiness? Um, you told us about right at the beginning of that meeting with Caroline O'Keefe, but can you mm -hmm. talk about now in um, 2020 how you're using that kind of data? Yeah, well, I guess in some respects it's similar, which is 
Um, so look, we're a technology business, but the first first and foremost is we're humans, aren't we? So um, we make sure that we are always, obviously, particularly now in, in the new COVID world, is we are on the phone to our customers constantly um, asking how they're feeling and, you know, if there's any feedback. So the first thing is actually the human to human interaction, um, building relationships and making sure that customers feel happy with what we're with what we're doing. Um but of course, underpinning all of that is, um, you know, our, our technology gathering insight and getting feedback. And I think one thing that I've learned through the years, especially um, in the British culture, is people can be very polite up front. Yeah. So you might ask someone face to face, how how did, how is it all going? Or you might ask them on a call, how is it all going? Or after happy, and they may be. They may just inflate the truth, so to speak. So, you know, the really powerful thing for me around gathering feedback um, from the customers is you're just getting the raw truth. You know, it's yeah. enormous, which I think is really important. So what we're doing is we basically ask four questions to our customers uh, every quarter. Um, and I'm sure the listeners will know we, we launched, um, as Gemma mentioned, Crocker Voice. We launched Employee Voice. Um, to many customers last few months ago. And we've also now launched um, Customer Voice. And again, it's the same principle, you know, in, especially in, if, if anything the last few months have taught us, a hell of a lot can happen in three months. So we have our quarterly um, survey where we get feedback and we are now, but now customers will have the opportunity to give us feedback anywhere, anytime. And I think that's so important because a customer might feel really, really excited from a meeting, or they might feel really um, disappointed, and we do want, and we want to know. So, and how we act on that is, as you can imagine, we look at the data constantly, daily, weekly, monthly, um, and we're just trying to add as much value to the customer as possible. So, in some respects, it's not changed too much from the existing business, but now the technology allows to do even faster. I guess that's so useful, Chris. It's such a good point on speed, isn't it? Um, and scale because I mean you've got some client. I mean, what's your biggest client? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, biggest customer is Sodexo, and they have almost half a million staff. And but yeah, our customers are literally all around the world. Um, so you know, again, technology enables us to get feedback from them anywhere, anytime. It's I guess the whole point is they can give feedback when they feel comfortable. Yeah. It hasn't got to be on our watch; it could be on their watch. Yeah, that's so useful. Um, Chris, you had the first word. Gemma, I'm going to give you the last word. Uh, I got quite a big question, which is all encompassing. So, um, yeah. good, good luck. <laughs> um, Hit me. Yeah, Gemma, what is the future of happiness? Question mark. Oh God. Um, <laughs> I think that. Well, I'm going to be awkward and say I think really it should be what's the future of emotions because I think that it shouldn't be, it's not just about happiness. Happiness is a part of us as human beings, but so is sadness, so is frustration, so is lots of other things. Um, and so I think it's more about how we can, we can incorporate all of those things into how we work with each other and making it easier for people to... Um, to raise when they're not feeling happy and like what Chris has just said people do often say yeah I'm fine but when they're actually not 
and giving people creating that culture, that open culture where people can say, actually, no, I'm not good today or I'm feeling like this today, I'm feeling like that today. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's what I think the future is. Wow, guys, um, I joked at the beginning, but just taking the time out to this has been a reminder why I love working with you both. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, again, I learn from you every day. really appreciate you. I know how busy you are. So thank you for taking your time out to record this with me. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, guys. See you soon. See ya. Bye.